Chapter 8, Led by the Commandment or Driven by the Commission. So much of what we do in the body of Christ today is commission-focused and commission-driven, and I'm all for the commission being done as long as we are doing it the way the Bible actually says the Great Commission is and not our own interpretation or version of what the Bible says. The other criteria I am all for regarding the commission being accomplished is that it is defined and outworked by and through the Great Commandment. This is an absolute necessity if we want to outwork the Great Commission His way and not our way. The question I would ask us all is this, does the commission define the commandment or does the commandment define the commission? Are we led by the commandment or driven by the commission? Which comes first biblically, the commandment or the commission? It's very clear that the great commandment comes first, and it is essential we are commandment-led. Otherwise, as mentioned in the previous chapter, we will love ourselves more than God himself. The outcome of this is that we live for self and are led by self, and this position will define God's truth as opposed to the Father defining his truth for us. The result of this is that we end up doing things our own way and not his. This leads to burnout, frustration, disillusionment, and ultimately spiritual death. We will be void of this inner abundant life in Christ if we live like this. How satisfied are we as his followers? Are we living from his peace, his joy, his love, his rest, and his power? Because we are living from the great commandment rather than being commission-driven. God promises all those who live from the commandment will experience this reality. A major problem is when our heart convictions are not defined by him. These convictions will define what we truly love. What we believe defines what we think. What we think defines our language. And the language we use defines our approach to the commandment and the commission. We hear things like, we're going to transform our city and our nation for Jesus Christ. We're going to seek and save and reach the lost for Jesus. We are going to heal the nations. We are going to build his kingdom. We are going to change the world for Jesus. We are going to leave our mark. And the sayings go on and on. We, 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 we. These things become our rally cry, and we gather the church together around this cry to get out there and change the world for Jesus. These sayings all sound amazing and so good with good intentions and good motives. But there is a problem. The problem is we can't change, build, save, transform, or heal anyone, not even ourselves. We are powerless to make the change that is eternal, which is the only change worth making. If we attempt to, we will find ourselves getting frustrated, exhausted, and disillusioned. We will end up driving God's people to perform works for God and going in the opposite direction to what God wants. Please hear me again clearly. God does have works for us to do, and these works have been prepared for us to accomplish before the beginning of time. But the outworking of these works must be defined by the great commandment and not from our good intentions or good motives or what we think is right in him. It's not about doing everything that is possible, but doing everything that God purposes us to do. Building, seeking, saving, changing, transforming, and healing is God's role, not ours. Jesus said, I seek and save the lost. Jesus said, I build my church. Jesus said, the kingdom is within you. And he teaches us that we are to be seekers of his kingdom first and his righteousness. This kingdom isn't external firstly, but it is internal, invisible, spiritual transformational dimension within a person. 
As this spiritual reality is being formed in us, then we are able to live our lives from this reality, doing things the way he intends and not the way we think. Jesus says our role is to love him with all we are and love others as ourselves. As the kingdom of God is being established within us, we will be able to do this. This, in fact, is what the Great Commission teaches us to do. But we miss this completely and think it's about going into the world to change it. We do this because we are not looking with his eyes but our own. We have become commission-driven, and the commission becomes our focus. The Great Commandment isn't defining the commission, our carnal mind and ways are. Let's have a look at what the Great Commission actually says. Be prepared to be challenged here. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How have we read and understood this passage of Scripture before? How have we heard it preached or taught before? The way we have read it or the way we have heard it preached and understood it can determine how we position ourselves to live out this truth. Firstly, let us notice what Jesus actually said. Go and make disciples of all nations. I have heard it taught that we are to go to all the nations and make disciples, but this isn't what he says. Now, people may go to other nations and make disciples, but this isn't what it says. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. You might say, Greg, you are being pedantic and you are playing with words. But I make this point to ultimately make a far greater point, which if we miss, can have catastrophic consequences in our relationship with Christ. When we read this passage of truth through our lens rather than God's lens, we start setting our direction and plan our course of attack based upon our understanding, which although we think is right, in actual fact is back to front. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Before we know it, we have raced off and are full on, completely committed and heavily invested with all we are into what we think and believe God's ways are, when in fact, all we are doing is building on a fleshly foundation and one that produces no spiritual fruit. God's word says, unless the Lord builds his house, they build in vain. All we are doing is building in vain and the work ultimately is futile. We are committed, but what we are not is surrendered to Christ and his ways. The first mistake we make is that we are commission-driven as opposed to being commandment-led. The second mistake we make is that in being commission-driven, we are being driven to accomplish the wrong thing. Here's the big question I want to ask us all. What are we to be teaching all the disciples that are being made? Are we teaching them that our purpose is to change and transform the world? Are we teaching them to build the church? Are we teaching them to seek and save the lost? Are we teaching them to prophesy and know their gifts? Are we teaching them to heal the sick? Are we teaching them to serve in a ministry within the body? What does the scripture actually tell us we are to be teaching these disciples that are being made? The answer is written in ink for us, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. What have we been commanded to do is our first place priority. What did Moses and Jesus say was the greatest commandment? Moses taught us from Deuteronomy 6, and Jesus brought this same passage to life to remind the teacher of the law in Mark 12 that the greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We are to make disciples who will love 
God with all they are, who in turn love people with the Father's love. And it is from this transforming state we go into our neighborhood, community, city, nation, and the nations, being witnesses for Christ. Are we truly a people who love God with all of our heart and mind? It's easy to honor God with our lips and still have our hearts far away from him. In fact, even remove our heart from him. Is this teaching happening in the church today? Are all our disciple-making processes geared towards surrendering to the great commandment, where there is a plowing of the fields, our hearts and minds, a tilling of the ground, the breaking up of the soil, to get all the idols and the wrong mindsets that are in there out? Is this happening so we are able to love the Father with all of who we are, and then in turn to truly be able to love all people with this incredible, unconditional love? Is this the great commission that is happening in our churches because this is what we are being commanded to do? If it is, then we will be known for the very thing we are meant to be known for. If it's not, then unfortunately we won't be known for the very thing we are called to be known for. I remember sharing recently with another senior leader in New Zealand about how the church is to be known for this unconditional love, to love one another as Christ loved us, and how this is to be the major priority in what we are to model. I was taken aback by the reply that came back to me when the person said, Greg, that is just way too hard. The person's answer was absolutely correct. It is way too hard when we try to love others with our human conditional love. In fact, it's impossible, and this is what the Bible teaches. With man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The more we actually know him through receiving ongoing revelations of who he is in us, then and only then will we actually be able to live out this commandment of love. Because from a fleshly perspective, it is way too hard to love God with our all and to love others. We tend to focus on all the other aspects of being a Christ follower. We focus on the works of Christ rather than the will of God, which is the sanctification of the church, which, by the way, produces this love within us. This sanctification process isn't very appealing to our flesh, and because of this, we choose the easy option because this is what fuels our flesh or the God of self. We get consumed with the, all the works of Christ and make this our major focus and priority, while the real purpose of Jesus lies dormant and never gets to be realized by many. The reason we do this, and it is an incredibly sad reason, is that many in the body of Christ still want to be at the center of their own lives. We want to be the hero of the story, but we are not. Although we would never admit this, this in fact is our true state. Commission driven before commandment led doesn't end well. Peter found himself in this very state in John 13, 34 to 35, where Jesus gives his disciples a new commandment. The new commandment was to love one another as Jesus had loved them. Peter's response is of someone who desires to do amazing things for Jesus, but hasn't yet been defined by this great commandment. Let's read it, John 13, 34 to 38. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. 
Peter's response is one of the flesh. Peter's response is one of self-interest and self-centeredness. Peter is consumed with himself and how what he has just heard is going to affect the plans that he had. If Jesus is going away and we can't go with him, this is really going to mess up the plans that I had made. Jesus has just given his disciples a new commandment. And the first response that Peter gives to Jesus' new commandment is to ask him a series of questions that don't even relate to what he has just said, but relate to a perceived loss for him. Peter wasn't quick to hear and slow to speak, as James 1.19 teaches us. He was quick to speak and slow to listen. James 1.19, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Peter is more interested in where Jesus is going and why he can't go with Christ than he is in what Jesus has actually said. Peter then proceeds to make this big, bold, confident, and emphatic declaration, I will lay down my life for you. I believe he makes this statement to try and convince Jesus that he can go where he is going. He is trying every angle to go with Christ and avoid this new commandment. He wants to get on mission with Jesus. I'm not sure about you, but wouldn't you think that if Jesus was addressing you personally as his disciple and he said he has a new commandment to declare to you, wouldn't your focus and attention be on what he was about to say? Wouldn't you be asking questions in relation to the new commandment that was just given, rather than asking that, although do relate to you to a degree, are not as important as a new commandment? The sad thing is, I am not sure we are any different from Peter. If the evidence of whether we are a disciple of Jesus Christ is that we love one another as Jesus loved us, Remembering, this is not with our human conditional love. This is with the love that always hopes, always believes, always endures, not jealous, and holds no wrongs. Then on the evidence of what I've experienced in 17 years of following Christ, I would have to say we are just like Peter. Let's be honest. Many of us are more interested in doing works for Jesus and attempting to change the world. And as the song says, make the world a better place as opposed to having his nature and character formed in us. We think our role is to transform nations rather than enter into the transformational process of the great commandment, where our flesh dies to itself and the life of Christ gets birth within us. When we are letting the great commandment define us, we are then able to love like Christ because of the incredible work he has done in us. It is from this reality being birthed in us that we then go into the world proclaiming Christ. If we are not commandment-led, then there is no way we'll be able to love like this. Maybe that's why we say it's too hard and resist the great commandment, keeping ourselves busy for Christ with our good intentions and our good works in his name. Peter resisted the leading of Christ and failed to allow the new commandment Jesus had given him to become his focus and priority. This, in turn, would have produced this indestructible life in him. Because he chose the opposite way to which Christ was teaching him, when it was required of him to stand up and put his life where his mouth was, he failed. The work that would have been produced and formed within him because of his obedience to the new commandment wasn't present. And when he was tested on the laying down of his own life, he failed. It is at this realization that Peter enters into the breaking, the snapping of his own will. 
Peter had three chances to do what he said he would do, and yet he failed each time. He had denied Christ when he said he would lay his life down. Peter realizes his pride and arrogance and how he was not able to keep his word, and a true, powerful conviction of the Spirit is happening in his heart. Matthew 26, 75. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter's self-sufficient ways are starting to break. The Peter that rebuked Christ with all bravado and self-confidence is starting to fall apart. The God of self is starting to crumble. Peter would finally come into this position in the spirit where his first place priority would be to love. Love for God and his fellow brethren. And it would be from this new posture in Christ that he would in fact follow Christ later and fulfill the commission. Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Have we entered into our own crushing where our will breaks and we start to do it God's way and not our own? Are we still 100% committed to doing works for him, using his name to achieve these works, but in accordance to our will? Are we still sitting on the throne of our own lives being God? And even though it all looks like good Christian activity and what Christians should be doing, we are still the driving force behind the works which are still being defined by us. If this is us, are we not a people of lawlessness doing his works but our way? This can be hard to swallow and admit, but is this in fact us? We are committed, but we are not surrendered to Christ. And this has us running the risk at some point in our lives of possibly hearing, away from me, for I never knew you, you of lawlessness. Why is it that we prefer the commission over the great commandment? Because we are still living and so much of our identity and purpose is wrapped up in what we do for Christ rather than who we are in Christ. We are commission-driven and not commandment-led. Being commandment-led means doing it his way. Out of the 39 kings that God asked to remove the high places, only two kings would be totally obedient to God and do it his way. Only two kings were prepared to remove the high places. I wonder if we are prepared to remove the high places from our own hearts so we can love God with all our hearts. Frank Sinatra sang the song, I Did It My Way and made it a well-known hit in his era, and many still know the song today. Unfortunately, this is a song that many followers are actually singing and living out today, keeping the song current in the demonstration of their lives. This must stop if we want to experience all that God has for us, and if we are to be and become the people of hope we are called to be. These are the people a lost world is looking to find. And if we will become these people, God will draw a lost world to these people because he knows these people will lead them into the commandment. We must be made aware of the state we are living from and repent. We must turn back to God and let him be the one who defines everything. He builds his church. Will I let him build me his way? To continue to be commission driven and not in the way the Bible declares the commission is to rob ourselves and others of all that the Father has in store for those who love him. A Romanian pastor was asked why the Western church has lost its power and influence with God and man, to which he answered, we have substituted surrender for commitment. Many church leaders ask, where is your commitment to live for Christ rather than for yourself? I think this is an important question 
But if this commitment isn't first surrendered to Christ through the process of the great commandment being outworked in our lives, it doesn't matter how committed you are, it will still be you at work. My will, my way with my outcome equals my spiritual death. Frustration, exhaustion, confusion, and burnout. I see so much of this today in the body of Christ. Why is there such a lack of the Great Commission being done the way Jesus says it is to be done? The simple answer to both these questions is we won't surrender to the Great Commandment and give him all of ourselves. We want to continue to hold on to our lives and add Christ and his ways onto ours rather than dying to ourselves and allowing God to be the center and core of our very lives. If we continue in this operating system, then we will continue to view, read, and understand God and his ways through our own perspective and lens, which is the flesh, rather than seeing and understanding from his perspective, which is the spirit. We must be prepared to give him all if we want the life he promises us. We can't have the life Christ promises us without Christ's processes and the way he operates. Ask yourself these questions if you are commission-driven and led and are teaching others to be. Have you come into a joy within you that is not based on feelings or your happiness, which determines how you live your life on this earth? Does this joy trump situations, circumstances, challenges, hurts, offense, loss, and determine the choices and priorities you make? Have you come into a peace within you that surpasses all comprehension, a peace which guards your heart and mind when trials, loss, tests, offense, challenge, hurts, and persecution from those close to you comes your way? Are you living your life from this peace? Are you living a life of righteousness and walking in the manner in which Christ lived his life because his life abides in you? Are you able to walk in the manner of unconditional love? If you find yourself falling short of the reality I've just stated, then maybe it's time to stop and ask yourself some very serious questions about your relationship with him. This is a growing reality that all followers of Jesus are to walk in and live from, and it is from this position that we reach out to others. This position is one of being commandment-led and not commission-driven. Can we give living testimony to this work being accomplished in us because it is a reality for us?